Good morning. Welcome to church this morning. Uh, I am so glad that you're here this morning on this last Sunday of the year. You may have wondered if you were going to make it. You have made it to the last Sunday uh, of the year, and so uh, I'm so glad that you are here. Uh, we have a little bit of a different service this morning. Uh, we are calling it a service of Selah, a service of Selah. You can, we're going to probably call it pronounce it a different way every time we say it uh, today. But the whole idea is that there is this word selah that you find particularly in the book of Psalms. And sometimes when we're reading that, uh, you read that in a Sunday school class, you read that in your own devotions, you're like, what on earth does that word mean? But basically that word means to, it's a musical notation. And it means to pause, to reflect, to wonder. When I'm reading in the Psalms, sometimes I kind of look at that word and I kind of say that this is a moment where I'm supposed to say, whoa, think about what you've just read. Hold up a minute. Let my soul, my spirit, my heart, my mind catch up to that truth that was just spoken. Sometimes it is a statement that says, let that sink in for a moment. I needed to hear that. As modern people we bounce from moment to moment to moment. And sometimes one of our primary goals in life is to be able to bounce from moment to moment to moment and not let anything seep into our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Sometimes it doesn't feel safe to let something seep in for a moment. I will tell you that in general, part of coming to worship, coming before the throne of God, is the whole concept, is that we're supposed to let things run deep inside of us. I also just believe that at the end of the year, it's important to have a season where we pause, we reflect, we wonder, we let some things sink in, maybe even let some things seep out. And in fact, in this year in particular, it is my deep belief that we need a service of Selah. We look this morning to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. The truth is, is that this is a passage of Scripture that I have often used in a funeral setting. It's a good and right passage for a funeral setting, but every time I use it in a funeral setting, I'm like, there is so much more in this passage than just for this moment. That one of these days I need to set a time aside and we need to unpack this together as church. And so that's what we're going to do a little bit together. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. It says, For everything there is a season. And a time for every matter under heaven. There's a time to be born. And a time to die. There's a time to plant. And a time to pluck up what is planted. There's a time to kill. And a time to heal. There's a time to break down. And a time to break up. There is a to build up. There's a time to weep. And a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. There's a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to seek 
and there's a time to loose. There's a time to keep and there's a time to cast away. There's a time to tear and a time to sow. There's a time to keep silent and there's a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker for his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's hearts, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live also that everyone shall eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That is That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. What does all this mean to us this morning? In your notes, they're a little bit different this morning. There's a little bit of an exercise that we're going to do a little bit later. So if you, if you want to take notes from this part of the service, you're going to have to draw like a line and, and put that on the other side because we need the other half of the page for a little bit later. But very quickly, when I read this passage, one of the takeaways that I have from this is that life is hard to understand sometimes. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> life is hard to understand sometimes. How do we unpack all of the stuff that we experience? How do we unpack all of the things that have come across our lives in the last 12 months? How can we have a better year next year? We believe that the author of Ecclesiastes is Solomon. He refers to himself in the book as the preacher. And the preacher is kind of going through a little bit of a crisis. He is trying to figure out, how can I make life make more sense? How can I get the most out of life? How can I make sure that even though I have everything at my fingertips, how do I make sure that I get life right? Can anyone relate to that? journey? Anyone relate to that question? He, he says, how can I figure it all out? He says, I've tried everything. How can I figure out how to have the most meaningful life possible? And he basically develops a plan. This is what he's working on. He, he says, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take everything in life, everything in the world, and I'm going to put it on one of two lists. Basically what he says, I'm going to put uh, some of the things on one list and I'm going to put the other stuff on the other list and the lists are going to be, here's everything that is good and here's everything that is bad. And so he says, what I'm going to try to do is I'm just going to be, use all of my wisdom, all of my white, all of my insight and I'm going to be able to put on the list everything in the world, this is a good thing, this is a bad thing and then I will be able to pursue with the rest of my life, I will pursue all of the things that are good and I will run away from all of the things that are not good. And once he figures that out, this is what's good 
and this is what's bad, then all I have to do is chase the good and stay away from the bad. And as he tries to make the list, he comes to the place where he discovers that life, real life, even God-ordained and God-saturated life comes at us, it seems, from both lists. T take a look at the lists here. He says there is a time for all of these things. Now, when we look at the list, is we want to say, this is the bad stuff on this column, and this is the good stuff on this column. But the Word of God is telling us that all of the stuff has a place in life. Now you go back and take a look at this list. Man, we, we would vote some of these things off the list island, wouldn't we? We would say, we, we don't need, there, there's no time for that. There, there's no place for that. Let's get rid of those things. But as we come to the end of this year, as we come to the beginning of next year, one of the things that we have to understand is that life, real life, God-saturated life, comes from both sides of the list. It comes from everywhere. And sometimes that becomes difficult to understand. I also want you to know that when I read this passage of Scripture, one of the things that encourages me is that there is nothing that God has not seen. There's nothing that God has not seen. Now, what I want you to know about that is that there is nothing that God has not seen, and, and that is both true as a concept. There is no idea. There is no experience. There is no emotion. There is no anything that God is not aware of as a concept. And there's also nothing that God has not seen as a specific reality in your specific life. Did anybody get out and see the, the meteors this week? There was a couple, there was a meteor shower uh, back at the beginning of the month, and then sometime around the 21st, 22nd, they were supposed to, I'm going to take your looks as no, you did not get out and see the meteors. Well, I, I'm going to let you know that we got out. And we did not see the meteors. Uh, we, we tried to drive out to the most empty field that we could find in all of Tangipahoa. I think we drifted over into Livingston. And we sat out there in the dark and the freezing cold. And, and we never saw anything. Um, so I wanted to see if somebody could tell me what it was like. Uh, but, but one of the things is we had talked about this and we were trying to decide whether we wanted to have this harebrained adventure of going out and seeing these meteors. So Susan was reading about it. And one of the things that she was saying is that this meteor shower, these things that we were supposed to see flashing across the night sky, were particles from an event that occurred 800 years ago and 1,200 years ago. And it's just taken that long for those things to come across our path once again. And there was something about that that just stirred Susan. And she just began to think about that in terms of the, the God that was in place when that, those particles exploded 1,200 years ago is the same God who is present in our lives today. And that's just a, a sliver of the eternity.
You see, there is nothing that comes before us, either as a concept or as a specific reality in our lives, that God has not already seen. And because it is not new, and it is not surprising, God has equipped us, God has equipped you to be able to manage it and endure it and find him in the middle of it. He has equipped you for it. I want you to take a moment, if you have a pen, a pencil, a sharpie, whatever you're carrying today, I want you to, depending on your personality, circle, underline, put a check mark, put a dot over all the experiences on this list that were on your 2020 card. Now, nobody cry out bingo, but just kind of go through here. Did, did, did you have a birth in your life? Was there a death in your life? Were there some things that were planted? Were there some things that were plucked up? I'm going to assume that you didn't kill. But maybe metaphorically, there were some things that you squashed out. Were there some things that were healed? Were there some things that were broken? Were there some things that were built up? Did, did you at all in this year cry? Did you at all in this year laugh? Did you mourn? Did you dance? Well, we're, we're Baptists, so you didn't do that one. <laughs> at least you didn't do it well. <laughs> Did you cast away stones? Did you gather stones? Did you embrace? Did you refrain from embracing? Did you seek? Did you lose? Keep? Cast? Tear? Sow? Silent? Speak? Love? Hate? War? Peace? How many of those did you hit this year? None of those were a surprise to God. And he equipped you for every one of those things. As we look at this passage, I would also tell you that, and this is the hard truth, but it's the undeniable truth. Not everything in life was right or is right. Can we get an amen for that? Life comes at us. God-saturated life comes at us from both sides of the list. There is a time for everything. Sometimes we get the timing wrong. There are times that other people get the timing wrong and I pay the price for it. And it stinks. It probably happened more than once. But there are also times that I get the timing right or I get the timing wrong. And others pay the price for it. And that probably happened more than twice. 
And there are times that the brokenness of this world that was broken by sin just can't help but get the timing wrong. And we all suffer for it. There's a passage of scripture that we looked at several months ago when we were thinking about the promises of God. It's Romans 8 chapter Romans 8, verse 28, all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What we have in this passage of Scripture is the Old Testament edition of that truth. It's here in verse 11. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. It tells us that he has put eternity into our hearts so that we can know God and we can hunger for him. And it also tells us that God is so big that we cannot begin to understand who he is from beginning to end. But understand, even when we get the timing wrong, even when someone else gets the timing wrong, even when the brokenness of this world causes the timing to be wrong and we suffer for it, he will make everything beautiful in his time. He will. This morning I have a deep desire that we create some space for a Selah pause. And so on the back of your bulletin there, there's just some reflection points. Some of your personality is like, I am not filling out questionnaires in church today. I'm going to ask you to take a pause from that personality. I know that personality because... Um, it may or may not be mine. But I want to invite you to just reflect with us for a few minutes. You may not have another chance to do this, to have this moment to come and stop and to pause. And so what I want you to do is I want you to make right where you are right now a holy place and let God walk into the pause. And so the first set of blanks on your page is just really a, a backwards reflection. I want you to think about three words that describe the last year. And again, we can make a lot of statements about 2020 and COVID and all of those things. And, and boy, didn't the passage hit when it says there's a time to refrain from embracing. Boy, that, like, that was this year. And, and some of that just hits us in all those places. But, but I would tell you that all of us have had a full year, even if COVID didn't exist. And sometimes COVID can, can overshadow some of the other things that are unfolding inside of life. So I want you to just take a moment with a pen, pencil, Sharpie, a yellow highlighter, you know, whatever you got, notes on your phone. Just three words for this year. Maybe there are three events. Maybe there are three facts. Maybe there are three emotions. 
but, but three words. And so just take a moment and go through that. next piece is three convictions that you leaned on this year. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's a conviction. Three things that you know about God, that you learned about God, that you were reminded about God in this year, that carried you in this year. If you have four, you can write down four. Somebody in the room's only got two so that you can take one of theirs. Got it? Okay. The next one is one thing you're supposed to leave behind this year. One thing that does not belong to where you're going next. Maybe it was the right time in 2020. That's what you were supposed to do in 2020. But God is telling you it doesn't fit anymore for where you're going next. Maybe it's some bitterness. Maybe it's some anger. Maybe it's some unforgiveness. Maybe it's some hurt. Maybe it's some jealousy. Maybe it's some doubt. Maybe it's some sin. Maybe it's a dream that's not the right dream. Maybe it's some pride. Maybe it's some disappointment. Maybe it's some fear. Maybe it's some insecurity. Maybe it's some walls. And maybe it's none of my business. But one thing as you reflect... Maybe it was never supposed to be the time for it. Or maybe you've been there long enough. But there's something that's supposed to be left behind as you move forward. He is worthy. worthy in 2020 
I feel pretty good about 2021. 